Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. Boys, we're one week away from the NBA draft. We're actually recording this Thursday night in honor of the NBA draft. A week from now, we'll be sitting and we'll know the answers. Who's going number two? Where is Kobe Bufkin going to play basketball next year? We'll have all the answers. But before then... Of course, I've got my co-host Alex Spears with me. And to answer all these draft questions, there's one person that we had to bring back on the show, and it's Sam Vecini of The Athletic. If you haven't done this yet, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show, get The Athletic for a discounted rate, and then go get the draft guide because it's outstanding. It's so good. Sam, welcome to the show. I'm always so appreciative to have you guys on. It's a momentous day here in Australia. We're a week away from the draft, but more importantly, the ashes start today. And by the time people listen to this, we will be on day four or day three of the ashes. And the ashes is the most important thing that happens in Australia once every year or two. It is a cricket five game match. Wow. Five five match series, basically. Yeah. Between England and Australia. They're playing at Edge oh. Baston today. Is, we is don't know a, who's bowling this, yet. Is, is this could, a friendly or is this no, just like a, a it, fun this, competition or does it mean something? It it means everything is the oh, thing. Okay. To the cricket world, this is the <laughs> Super Bowl every year or every wow. two years, essentially. Uh, there yeah. was like uh, the last time they played was, I believe, late 2021 into early 22 and then they now are doing it in England in the summer because of the reverse, um, whatchamacallit, uh, hemispheres, right? England's in the north, Australia's in the southern hemisphere. So yeah. the seasons are reversed. Um, and it means everything. The, the the amount of like insane commercials that you will see for this thing, they did a full like uh, trailer for this thing last time uh, on channel seven here in Australia, where a guy stood in front of a camera for like three minutes and just said us versus them, them versus (laughs) us. And just repeated it for like, he like said some words in between, but I swear to God, he said us versus them, them versus us probably 14 times in the three minute span. It is, I'm sure you guys are so. I'm sure you guys are so pumped. It got people more pumped every time he said it. I would guess. Yeah, clearly. I mean, it's, so it's, it's, it's always it's words. always the British. It's always 
It's like, always the Australians and always the English. It's or always the Australians okay. and always the English. It's not necessarily like to find the best cricket team in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's just that they've been playing this freaking thing for just a blood feud, you know, ancient, literally, literally over a hundred years now. And I wow. want you guys to look up the trophy for the Ashes while we're talking. Okay. okay. It is. One of the most wild things. I had no idea about this until I moved to Australia. Uh, <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, what we're looking at here, it is uh, the size of a, a small toy, a child's toy. I would say yes. maybe six inches in height, max. <laughs> max. And uh, when you win yeah. it, there, there's guys holding it as if you would hold like a Stanley Cup, but it's in... <laughs> They're at the tips of their fingers and they're kissing this tiny little child's toy. That's very cool. It's it's the best. It is amazing. And it's called the, the urn. That, yeah. Oh, it's called the urn. Okay. And the amazing thing is that I will be up until 2 a.m. every night watching the ashes now because we have, again, early morning in, a, in England when this thing starts will be like 8 p.m. here. So yeah. I'm excited. Forget the draft. Let's let's just talk, you know, 45 minute ashes podcast. Let's go. You guys are ready, right? I am not ready. What I'm ready to talk about is your draft guide, Sam. We got to talk about your draft guide, which includes your final big board, scouting reports for your top 75 players. Uh, your scouting reports are incredibly in-depth and include a background section for each prospect. What was your favorite random fact that you learned about one of these oh, guys this, is the this year. One. Do you know what Noah Clowney's dad's name is? I don't. I don't remember. His dad's name, or his, I think it might be his stepfather, um, is Larry Bird. Uh, with a <laughs> Really? Lie for uh, Bird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Is, his, uh, that is amazing. Father. Yeah. That is, that is awesome. That's definitely that, that, number one. Last name Bird. Okay. Uh, and I believe it's his father for what it's worth. But yeah. Um, yeah. Last name Bird. Larry Bird. That is awesome. Um, uh, his dad is Larry Bird. Facts. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Sam, I'm always interested in how perceptions of a draft class can change over time. Like people are already talking about 2024 as being a weak class next year. How is your perception of this draft class change over time? Obviously, Wemby and Scoot have always been the headliners. Yeah. But how has your opinion of the rest of the draft class changed over like the last 12 to 18 months? Yeah, great, great question to start. I would say that this draft has maintained its strength at the top. I have not really come off of Scoot Henderson in the same way that some people have uh, mm -hmm. seemingly throughout the process of evaluating these guys. I think that he was just in a non-competitive environment in the G League, frankly, and didn't have anything to win for. So it was just kind of whatever at the end of the day. Uh, and I think that once you get him into a competitive environment in the NBA, he's going to be great again. Um, so I still have a tier one grade on Scoot. I still have Vic in like his own tier because uh, frankly, like I was someone that had a small number of questions about Victor Wembanyama coming into the year. Mm -hmm. And the way that he has drastically exceeded every single possible outcome by leading Metropolitans 92 to the French league, like title series. Yeah. I did not expect that. I did mm. not expect him to come out like leading the French league in points, rebounds and blocks. I expected it to be like, 
oh yeah, like this is going to be very clear. Like he's a toolsy bet, you know, you obviously take him at one because he's seven foot five and can handle the ball and is like incredibly balanced and coordinated. But the level that he has improved from last year to this year offensively and the polish that he has added, I think has made this top of the draft even better than what I envisioned it being. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of the draft, I still have a number of questions about. You know, I think that some of the guys we thought would be good coming into the year ended up tailing off or getting injured in the case of Nick Smith and Dariq Whitehead and creating Mm -hmm. circumstances where we don't have great answers yet on what these players are going to be. So in general, I would say the top and the top five guys look even better than what I expected it. The depth of the class, and this includes going through to the second round, which I think is by the time you get to like 48 or so, like a hellfire almost, um, is and hellfire's bad. Hellfire's weaker than what I thought. Yeah, this is not okay, Stranger okay. Things. This is not a Hellfire okay. Club. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's jump to your big board. Probably the biggest news at the top of the draft is that you now have Cam Whitmore as your third overall prospect. You had been five on your big board for most of the season. What led to your final ranking? So, look. I knew this was going to be a thing when I did it. I have Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore so close. Hmm. Like I have, like if we're grading them like on a scale of like a hundred, right. And like Victor Wembanyama is like a hundred and ten or whatever it is. Right. In terms yeah. of like prospect and scoots like a 98 or whatever. I would have like Brandon Miller is like a 93 and Cam Whitmore is like a 94 or like a 93 and a half versus 94. I have hmm. them so close. I think they're both, really talented players. Frankly, if I was Portland and it came down to Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller, I would probably take Brandon Miller in their circumstance. If my plan is to continue to build around Damian Lillard, if my plan was to completely rebuild and start anew, I would probably take Cam Whitmore. It would be dependence upon what my organizational goals are, because I think that you mix Cam Whitmore with Jeremy Grant, not going to get a whole lot of ball movement. Not going to you're going to get a lot of kind of stagnant offense, especially given the way that Dame plays uh, and the way that Anthony Simons plays as well. So if you're going to continue to build around that core, I would be concerned about getting the most out of Cam Whitmore. Uh, whereas with Brandon Miller, I think like you can play him as a floor spacer, who can attack closeouts, who can play in ball screens, who can do some different things, and I, I just kind of like that fit a little bit better in terms of. I feel like we often talk about fit is like this negative thing at the top of the draft. And on some level it is, I I think you should never take at the top of the draft, a player that is in a lower tier on your board than somebody that is in a higher tier on your board, because that guy in the higher tier very clearly has higher upside. But I think there's a lot of room for potential, team-based discussion based on what your scheme is, based on what your roster is, based on what your uh, situation is as a team in terms of choosing between guys between tiers because some guys just fit better in other schemes at the end of the day. And for me, if I was Portland, even though I have Brandon Miller at four, I think that for the Blazers, if I was creating a draft grade for them, 
a project that might be happening on theathletic.com next week. <laughs> I would probably have Brandon Miller as more of like a 95 and Cam Whitmore as like a 94. You know what I like? It, it's yeah. these things are so team specific. We do these things in a vacuum. I do them in a vacuum. And I think that it can often create kind of false narratives in some way. Like I have a giant tier of prospects in my tier five from the, let me take a look here from number 17 through to number 36 in terms of perception between those two rankings publicly, it is enormous in theory. But to me, like I look at Chris Murray and, uh, Max Lewis, who I have are 35. Mm-hmm. And I see, look, you could take Max Lewis. You could take Chris Murray. Like it's, it just depends on what your organization is building. And the way that I tend to rank my board is dependent upon what my philosophy is, which tends to be, I tend to be a little bit higher in that latter portion of the first round on high field guys, guys that can shoot guys that can defend guys that can play a role because the hit rate of stars beyond pick 17, which is where that tier starts is quite low. So Mm -hmm. it's, if you wanted to be somebody that has Gigi Jackson at 17, like fine, cool. I get it. Like if you want to go hunt upside and you think that Gigi Jackson's upside is that large, I'm here for it. Like whatever you want to do. I think that that ends up being like, the misconception of the draft process. And but it sounds like, because going back to the top though, it sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. the difference for you between Scoot and maybe Cam Whitmore and Brandon Miller is big enough where if you're Charlotte, you wouldn't, wouldn't think be twice. thinking about fit anymore. Yeah, okay. Wouldn't think twice. I would take okay. Scoot. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So you have Whitmore going to Houston in your most recent mock draft. How would you compare his fit in Houston versus in Thompson? who is frequently mocked to Houston. So much of this depends on what Houston does. Yeah. And to go full windy, what <laughs> is going on in Houston? Yeah. I, look, I don't know, frankly. Like, I don't know if they're going to sign James Harden or not. If they're going to sign James Harden, Kim Whitmore makes so, so much more sense, I think. Uh, if okay. they're going to yeah. not sign James Harden, then... I think there's a very real case for Amen Thompson. Now, the thing that worries me about Cam Whitmore in Houston just a little bit is if you're planning to continue to build around Jalen Green and Jabari Smith as your two and your four, let's say, if you put Cam Whitmore in the middle of that, that ball is never going to zip around. And you're going to be in an offense, which by the way, you have Alper and Shangun, who is this ball movement center who can do creative things with the basketball. And I think it'd just be really tricky to kind of mesh those two schemes in a real way. Um, At the end of the day, if I was Houston, I would not sign James Harden and I would take Amen Thompson. Again, even though I have Cam Whitmore at three and Amen Thompson at five, I would want the guy who facilitates ball movement, who's a super high IQ player, And I would want to pair that guy with Jalen Green. I think he would have a real chance to maximize what Jalen Green is good at on the basketball court. I think he'd have a real chance to maximize what Jabari Smith is good at on the basketball court. So that's another situation where, yeah, look, what I have like in a vacuum on my board 
is probably not similar to if I was Houston, how I would be evaluating the situation. So two of the biggest fallers from your first big board back in November, I went back, were Nick Smith Jr. and Keontae George. They started out the season ranked fifth and seventh, respectively, and are currently ranked 22nd and 26th on your big board. Now, despite some of their struggles during the season, there still are a lot of people that are very high on these two prospects. What were the biggest factors that contributed to your rankings of them? For Nick Smith, it's a combination of defensive fundamentals and frame. Uh, I'm quite worried about Nick Smith's frame. I think he is just very, very skinny. And it's going to be very hard for him to hold up defensively. And with these guards that are on the skinnier end that, frankly, are more combo guards, I would like them to have a bit more ability to potentially pass and play make and do some different things with the ball and be able to read defenses and collapse defenses and hit kickouts, hit dump offs, hit the guy in the dunker spot, hit rollers, right? I don't think Nick Smith does that that well at this point. I think he's a pure two. He's tall enough to manage that. I don't know if he's strong enough to manage that when mixed with the fact that genuinely, I think he might have the worst defensive fundamentals of any player I've evaluated in the last few years. Uh, He's super hoppy defensively. He doesn't make the right reads. He doesn't get around screens. He he doesn't rotate. Like he's just very ineffectual on that end to the point where in the NCAA tournament, like Arkansas had to pull him off the court and defensive fundamentals are improvable. You can get better. It's just going to be a process there. And I don't know if the process is going to be all that high in terms of him reaching a goal where he is defensively capable. Um, I hope it is. Nick Smith is a kid where like people will tell you like really great kid. And I think we did not get to see the best of him at Arkansas this season. That situation from a spacing perspective around him, especially given that he got to play very, very little with Trevon Brazil, who played early in the season before tearing his ACL, and Nick Smith missed a good portion of the beginning of the season due to his knee injury. I think that it is very difficult to get a fair evaluation on Nick Smith. My ultimate concerns come down to the defensive end, and I just don't know how he's going to be able to play defensively Uh, on the court at that level, given that I think he's best off at the point of attack and just is really, really poor getting through screens right now. And then what about Keontae George? George? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keontae George. I went back and watched the tape and I just didn't love the ability to separate. He's a guy that like really needs to dribble and dance and, you know, play make uh, with his handle on the perimeter to get any sort of separation. And, the cool thing is that he has really good touch. He has a very real ability to get to his shot in between cadences in a creative way that makes him a very difficult guard from a pull-up perspective. And I do think he will shoot. I just don't really think he's going to put pressure on the paint at all. And I don't really think he's going to put pressure uh, really on the basket at all either. And then on top of it, I don't love his decision-making. Uh, I think that a lot of the assists this year were preordained assists that were kind of built up by Baylor's offensive scheme, which was probably the best offense in college basketball, maybe the top two or three. Um, And I think that had less to do with him than it did with the spacing around him. Adam Flagler, uh, really, really strong, creative guards around 
him that can shoot. And Scott Drew being a genius at being able to kind of maximize offensive space. So I look at him and I'm like, okay, I don't think he can really separate well. I think Nick Smith has a chance to separate. I don't love Keontae being able to separate. I don't love his defensive tape. I don't love the decision-making. I think Jaden Hardy is just like kind of a better prospect than he is. And look, Jaden went 37th last year. I had him 20th. Like I I liked Jaden Hardy like a pretty fair amount last year. Um, So when I say that I think he's a worse prospect than Jaden Hardy, keep in mind that I had Jaden Hardy at 20 and not Mm -hmm. as a second round guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jaden Hardy has turned out great. I think Jaden just has more natural tools and has like a little bit more shake off the bounce. I think he's a little bit more sudden off the bounce. And I think he's a better passer actually mm-hmm. than Keontae is too. Hmm. The biggest riser on your big board from the beginning of the season has to be Bilal Kulabali, who was not in your top 100 to start the season and is currently ranked 12th on your big board. You mentioned in your write-up that his offensive usage in the half court is one of the lowest you've ever seen for a potential first-round pick. How confident are you that he can be more than just a defensive specialist in the NBA? Yeah, I'd say it's one of the lowest I've seen for a lottery pick, for sure. Um, it's He's a fascinating case. This is such an informed bet, right? Like, on my show, the way that I talked about Bilal Kulabali was essentially that he is a guy where... Do you guys play poker at all? Like, do you guys play... Have you guys played Texas Hold'em at all? I have before, yes. Not not a big hold'em guy, but I've played before. So, like, in tournaments, because of the way that, like, the structure of tournaments work, and I think tournaments in poker are a little bit more applicable to this situation because at the end of the day, the NBA is a tournament where your whole goal is to win the NBA championship, right? A lot of time in tournaments, you have to – get your money in essentially where you think that you are a 50, 50 swing, right? Because the upside of you winning that hand pre-flop, if you have eights and the other guy has ace queen or whatever, is that you can like go from being 12th in chips to the chip lead with like a hundred people left. Right. And you can Hmm. put yourself in a more dominant position moving forward and really advantage yourself in terms of your, long-term roster situation. The downside of that is you can get knocked out of the tournament, right? But in general, it's a better play to go for that from a money perspective because cashing tournaments, like if you min cash, you know, 18 out of 20 tournaments, you're not going to make as much money as if you finish first in a tournament and get two other top threes in a tournament. You can lose 17 times and still win at the end of the day. And that'll be a more uh, plus EV play. I think that Bilal Koulibaly is kind of like that, where if you take him, you have to be prepared that this might not work. Like he might not have the offensive game to be able to play like at the highest level in the NBA. His shot is still very funky. He's still growing into his frame. Like he's a late bloomer. Uh, he was, you know, going into COVID, like he was like below six foot, I think, or like was right around six foot and then like shot up wow. to six foot six and like really mm-hmm. kind of blossomed from there and has these incredibly long arms and like 
looks the part of an NBA player. The shot is a bit robotic right now. It's a bit mechanical. If you look back through the shooting numbers, they aren't ideal. But this year for Metropolitans, he's gotten a lot of open ones where he's been able to knock them down off the catch, right? And mechanically, while it's a bit robotic, there isn't anything that you think is broken where if the shot, if he gets stronger and like continues to fill out, he should be able to iron that out a little bit as he gets more comfortable in his body, in my opinion. So there's that aspect of it. The other piece of it is I don't really know how to judge his feel for the game yet. He might have great feel. He might not. When you watch some of the lower level tape, uh, for instance, there is a game. If people want to go watch him against players, his own age group, you can watch a Mm -hmm. game on YouTube against Bronny James and like this California club that went overseas and Mm -hmm. played. You know, I'm lucky enough to where I've been able to like kind of see some of like the French league, the Spars league French tape where, uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of it, but like you can kind of see what he looks like there where he led the league in scoring and like was a completely different player than what he is for Metropolitans, right? And what you see in these settings where he's playing in like equal age level, he doesn't have like a ton of shake off the dribble, but he just lives in the paint because he's so athletic and so long. And what do you do with that? Like, can he do that at the next level by the time he's 25 and he is playing like age commensurate level players? Maybe it's very possible, but at the end of the day, like this is a bet. This is a draft philosophy bet. If you have a philosophical theory that you would rather take case and Wallace here, because you have more certainty case and Wallace is going to be a rotation player. More power to you. I, you will not hear me say a word about that. I think it is a completely viable pick to do that. Mm. To yeah. me, and so, this is this is the opportunity to kind of shoot your organization into like a different level. I think that's why it's it's a it's a bet, but it's a bet that I'd be willing to make. Yeah, and I think it's kind of why you see teams like Toronto or OKC up there because both teams have been willing to take risks over the years. Some that haven't, some that like the Thunder are still waiting on, <laughs> like they they've taken a few guys that are that were a little risky and they're still waiting to see how those are going to work out um but yeah i think are, are people more just like drawing lines to teams like that because of just their past or do you think there's like legit info about where I'm, Koulibaly could go i mean look like presti was seen in france like a couple days ago right like yeah. that's a thing yeah yeah from what i was told um yeah if you're not like at the very least, like tangentially interested where you want to like you feel like you need to get eyes on a guy. You're not going to go overseas to like see a player that you don't have at yeah. least some interest in this time of year where you're trying to do draft workouts and get like a bunch of guys in like you're, you're mm-hmm. logistically like taking yourself off the board in a real way for like two days, basically. And those two days like do matter this time of year. So, yeah. Look, I think that that's, you know, why that exists. Like, you know, you hear New Orleans, you hear Toronto, like these teams have been willing to take swings on guys like this before. Yeah, I absolutely think that the informed speculation, by the way, like the team that I haven't heard a ton of that he ticks every single box in terms of what their draft history is, is Orlando at 11. Like, sure. This team loves guys that are super long, athletic, Great positional size, great positional length, 
really good kids. Sure. Like I hear from the intel is that like Kulabali has like a very professional demeanor and it like it's a little bit weird to me that we haven't heard a lot about Orlando in regard to yeah. Kulabali, just given what their draft history is. So yeah, given the fact that they need wings as well, like that's probably their weak spot on the roster. So. Is that maybe just because we did? I mean, we didn't even know who Orlando was taking number one until like right before the yeah, they, draft last they year. They do a great so. job of keeping things as quiet as possible. Um, and, and by the way, you know, it's worth noting in, in regard to number two, Charlotte does that too. Like, hmm. it's not easy to get any sort of information from the Hornets. Like, I can have as many questions as I want about the way that that front office makes decisions and operates. Yeah. They keep it quiet and they keep it locked in in terms of mm-hmm. like their process and in terms of Intel. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. Like, I, I think that yeah, like gen- genuinely, I don't know what is going to happen at number two. Like I have scoot there right now. I think the rest of the industry is Brandon Miller. It feels like, um, I, I have scoot there because everything I know is that like, they haven't made a decision yeah mm-hmm. 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 so uh ranked right behind Bilal on your big board is Leonard Miller at 13 you described him as an incredibly polarizing prospect in this draft and while you have him ranked at 13 in your recent mock draft you got him falling all the way to pick 23 my question same why is a 6'9 forward with a 7'2 wingspan who is wildly productive against high level competition at age 19 polarizing what, what's what's the problem? I have him at 13. Why is he, what, are you, what, what are you asking me? I'm asking you, why, why is he so polarizing? <laughs> why is this? Look, I think that it's a mix of he does not do the traditional things right now that a role player typically does in the NBA. He is a defender that is still learning. Like this is a guy that's still grown into his body, like in a real substantial way. Like when he got to Wasatch Academy, you know, three years ago or whatever, he was still six foot six, six foot five, something like that. Mm. He wasn't that big and then grew to six foot nine when he got down to Florida and then, you know, broke his wrist in Florida and couldn't play there. We haven't seen him in the AAU level. We haven't seen him at the college level. Uh, a lot of teams like just kind of throw away the Ontario Scholastic League numbers where, frankly, I kind of agree with them where he was towering over everybody and being able to play point guard because he was so much better mm-hmm. than all these dudes. But this guy also just averaged like 20 and 11 over his final 15 games in the G League. Like, this guy's really good. Yeah. And here, here's the other thing, too, that I will tell you. Uh, I've gotten to sit down with Leonard. I have a thing coming next week on Leonard, actually. And great kid, but more than anything, like a kid that really learns, like really processes information well and takes it into account. And formulates his own thoughts on things and then is able to take those things, you know, that a coach tells him or a trainer or whatever, and just like implement them from the jump. That's why you saw him get so much better from the first game against Metropolitans where Victor Wembanyama threw down on his face to where Mm -hmm. the end of the G league season, he's averaging 21, 13 and two and a half assists a game versus one and a half turnover and shooting 60% from the field. Like yeah, his ability to process information and get better, I think is maybe the most underrated skill of any player in this draft class. 
Well, I agree yeah. with you. And <laughs> if he does fall to 23, I'll be kind of pissed because I'll, I'll feel like it's an obvious steal. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How – so he played really well at the end of the G League season. You hear some people talk about the end of the G League season like it's kind of a a mess. Yeah. No, it is. That's right. Like, like how do you – how do you weed that out as like, Hey, he's, it's it. I don't know if it's similar to like the end of the NBA season where players that it's messier. Haven't, like, let's be, it's, it's messier. Cause like okay. guys are coming in and out the whole time. Like, you know, that's yeah. the part of the season where guys are on two ways and, you know, teams are trying to mm-hmm. fill out rosters at the end of the year without, you know, having too much team control on it. And guys are trying yep. to find like end of season contracts and things like that. There's just no, synergy and know anything on the court in the G league at the end of the yeah. year. It's, it is even harder than end of NBA season a lot of the time. And I think that is a real okay. factor that NBA teams are struggling with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Koulibaly as a late riser in this draft cycle. Another popular late riser who you have remained a little lower on is uh, Brandon Pajimski uh, from yeah. Santa Clara. You currently have Pajimski ranked 42nd on your big board. Why have you not caught the pods fever? I would love, like, this is a kid that I typically love. Um, Yeah. Guy that can really shoot the shit out of the ball, who is Mm -hmm. hyper competitive. Like, teams that have had him in, and, like, you watch his tape, too. Like, this dude gets after it. He is so, so, so competitive. And you really want to buy in. Like, uh, I would love to be in on him, frankly. Like, he knows how to play the game offensively. Like, he knows where he needs to be on the court. I love the idea of what he brings. He's just very small. Like, yeah. he's an He rebounds standing. well for his size, though. Yeah, but, like, he's it comes from, like, the aggressiveness, right? Like, I'm here for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, this is this is more of a trivia time question for Alex than me. I haven't looked mm. this up, but um, I cannot imagine there are many guys with an eight foot standing reach that have averaged over five and a half rebounds per game in the NBA. Just, just it's hard. Guys are fucking huge in the NBA. Being that yeah. small is difficult. On top of it, he has a very concerning blend of athleticism mixed with that intersection of size. In lack of length, he's like six foot three and a half without shoes with like a six foot five wingspan and the eight foot standing reach because like I think mm-hmm. that like he's kind of boxy as like a human being, like he's kind of thick. Um, it's going to be hard for him to get through screens. It's going to be hard for him to defend anybody on the ball. It's going to be hard for him to contest shots against guys on the ball. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's just going to be a switch magnet like like Luke Kennard struggles to stay on the court. Sometimes Luke Kennard's bigger than he is. And like slither, slithery like he's a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, w- I would, I would love to be in on Brandon Pajemski. Like he ticks so many boxes that I typically love. And I, yeah. I just am too worried about the defense. Um, I, I, I hope he's great. I like, I want that kid to prove me wrong. Like maybe not more than anybody, but like, I, I want him to prove me wrong, like in a pretty substantial way. Hmm. Uh, so, Sam, you talked to a lot of scouts, agents, people who work for NBA teams. Who is the prospect that's been getting the most positive buzz during the pre-draft process? The guy who seems to be killing every workout, every interview. 
Anytime you hear about him, it's something good. Seriously. Oh, really? Pajemski's <laughs> up there. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Seriously, like is up there. I expect him to go in the first round, like pretty clearly. Um, who who else is a great question? What players have done really really well? Um, <laughs> that is a great question. Omax Prosper has done really well in workouts, from what I've been told. Uh, ben Shepard has been pretty impressive. The guy that probably fits here most, though, is Jaime Hawkes. I've heard yeah. Hawkes has just come in and just like crushed, like in the draft process. Like he is just super competitive. He's so polished. Like you put him in any sort of like three on three setting, he's going to be successful. I mean, I've heard he has been just like outstanding in the pre-draft process. Hmm. Yeah, and like somebody that can come in and help right away. Like some of these teams yeah. kind of at the end of the first round that maybe don't want a, a project. I think you had a much of the Blazers, is that right? Or somebody uh, had a much of the Blazers. I I, I think I had him at 22, I know that, at the Nets. Okay, that's to the Nets, who also, like I think, want to compete next year. I think he's just somebody that can, can hop to, in to right their, away to their wrong decision-making, but that's fine. Sure, <laughs> sure. But he can it? help. Okay, uh, Sam, I need your help. Okay, Jalen hood Scafino. He's rising up draft boards, including yours, from 19 to 13. I just need you to help me with him. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well at Indiana. He shot 30% on unguarded catch-and-shoots. He shot 48% on layups. I just need your help. Like, help me understand like give me the uh the pitch as to why he's rising up draft boards he's a pittsburgher boom period (laughs) for real for real though i need help i i've watched it and i just uh, i can't get there i can't get there and i need i need help and look you're, you're not alone on this for what it's worth. He, he is polarizing for teams that struggle with, well, is he going to shoot off the catch? You know, can he get all the way to the rim? How good of an athlete is he? The yeah. reason that I buy into him is that he is already like an awesome mid range shooter on pull-ups. And he has a okay. very specific skill that I look for in those circumstances. He is absolutely terrific at going up wrong footed on mid range jumpers and being able to realign his body in midair and being able to align himself with the basket elbow at the rim at an exceptionally high level. That's a hard skill at speed in the college game. It's a hard skill at speed when you're a teenager. I think he's going to shoot like the fact that he can maintain that level of coordination and touch from the mid range says to me, he's probably going to be able to extend it out to three at some point. And if he's able to Mm -hmm. extend it out to three, you're talking about probably a two level scorer. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to score at the rim all that well, frankly, But I do think that you'd be talking about a two-level scorer that is capable of defending at a really high level. Like, he can really get after it on that end. He gets through screens well. He battles. He fights. He scratches. He claws. Like, he's switchable. He's just really, really is great attention to detail. Like, he is his great hands. He's awesome on that defensive end, I think. Um, Yeah, I'm not like 100% in. Like I have him just outside the lottery, if I remember correctly, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm in on him as like a solid mid first. Okay, I've been trying to answer this question. I don't. I I just needed to ask you this one too. 
Who are the best pull-up shooters in this class? Like who's the like top five like best God. pull-up shooters in this class? My dream is to do one of those superlative things before the draft that I did two years ago. I just don't know if I'm gonna have time. Uh, yeah. Pull-up shooters in this draft class. Let me pull up a list of names to get them in front of me. I will tell you, I think this is a particularly weak shooting class. Uh, yeah. I do not think this is a strong class of shooters. Yeah. Frankly, if you made me pick one name, I would say the best pull-up shooter in this class is a guy that I have ranked like in the 60s, uh, Darius <laughs> McGee, who went to Liberty. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you look at his numbers, and I will pull them up as I am talking, Darius McGee this year shot – sorry, I'm still grabbing uh, – he shot 40% on 65 three-pointers taken from beyond 28 feet. He shot 37% on threes taken beyond 30 feet. His wow. ball pickup is insane. Like wow. his ability to get into jumpers is insane. The problem is Darius McGee is like five foot eight and <laughs> it's going to be okay. very hard for him to have any. We're the only national NBA podcast mentioning Darius McGee. Shout out Darius McGee. It Shout also says he, he's 24. McGee. Is that he's 24? Old, older player played five okay. years at Liberty. hundred percent. Okay. It, look, if you made me pick okay. one name, that would be it. If you made me pick like okay. a guy that is going to go in the first round. What about the lottery? If you maybe who's pick the best pull-up shooter? Yeah, p- who's the best pull-up shooter in the lottery? This Brandon is where Miller I would, ended up. Brandon yeah, Miller that's, I mean, would be yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, but like that's not his best skill either. No, um, it's not. Isn't that? I just find that just kind of strange. Do, do, like, do you know what the pull-up. crazy thing about this is? Hmm. I would probably put Scoot Henderson in this conversation and everybody complains about his shooting. It's that he just takes Mm -hmm. really tough ones right now. Yeah. And this isn't like a comment on Scoot being like a good shooter. Now it's that it's hard. I think Cam Whitmore is actually a really good, like underrated pull up shooter as well. If you look at the numbers, he made 19 threes off the bounce this season. Um, he can create separation and like get to his pull up in a pretty real way. Um, Mm -hmm. That like, he's not a great pull up shooter yet though. There isn't a great answer, Andrew. Yeah. I I wish there was, but there there just really isn't. No, that's a great answer. I I feel like you answered that question. (laughs) Yeah. Darius McGee. No, this is why I ask you because I'm, I, I, I don't watch these guys as much as you do, but, you know, we've talked. I was on Game Theory last week where we talked for a while about these prospects and yep. just think like, okay, who is the best pull-up shooter? And I, I couldn't come up with a great answer in my head. So, yeah, yeah like, it's a tough like one. Kobe Bufkin was 32-3, according to Synergy on pull-up threes. Um, it's definitely yeah. not Koulibaly. It's definitely not Leonard Miller. Um, I don't think Kaysen was great on pull-up threes this year either. I don't think Hood mm-hmm. Shafino is great on pull-up threes this year. Um, I mean, Grady Dick is probably like a, you know, probably the right answer, I guess. I have Grady mm-hmm. just outside of the lottery, but like, yeah. You know, it, look, it is Grady. Like, if you're considering Grady Dick lottery pick, it's Grady Dick. Um, Grady yeah. Dick hit fifty-three point five percent of his threes off the dribble this season. 
But a lot of yeah. those aren't like self-created what you can, you know, typically consider pull up threes. Like, you know, where yeah. you're coming down the court, shaking a guy, getting, you know, right to left crossovers, left hand step back, you know, cash, right? It's yeah. relocation shots off the bounce for him. And yeah, like, it's like pump, dribble, shoot. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I don't even know that, like, it, it's hard. It, I mean, statistically, it's Grady Dick, though, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Sam, it is time for the lightning round. Five quick questions. Uh, answer to each question will be a name of one prospect. Starting off, question one, prospect who is commonly mocked in the top eight who could potentially fall into the late lottery, such as a Jalen Dern last year or Tyrese Halliburton a few years ago. Just will note that I had both of those guys going in the area that they did, um, despite the fact oh, that really? I loved Halliburton as well. I had Halliburton at like six or seven that year. I think six maybe. Um, adored him as a prospect. The guy that could fall out of the top eight, it's hard because like they're that group of nine from yeah. Victor Weminyama, Scoot Henderson, Kim Whitmore, Brandon Miller, Amon Thompson, Jarris Walker, Taylor Hendricks, Anthony Black, Asar Thompson. Yeah. Teams in that area, like, they like those guys, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're saying chalk, no surprises. If you may, it's it's more for me, because, like, I think if one of those guys falls out, they're not falling far. They're falling to, like, 10 or 11, right? So, like, I don't right. think they yeah. would yeah. fall, you know, wildly deep. If you made me pick a gate crasher into mm-hmm. that top eight or nine, yeah, I yeah. think it would be at eight with the Wizards, mm-hmm. and I think it would be mm-hmm. one of Case and Wallace or Kobe Bufkin. Okay. Bufkin boys. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, question number two. Older prospect who will go in the late first or second, not named Jaime Jaquez, who will have the biggest impact as a rookie, uh, like Andrew Nemhard or Herb Jones? Biggest impact as a rookie who will not. Obviously, go this will depend the- where they go, but. Can I count? I have Ben Shepard as a first round grade. Does he okay. qualify for this? Does Colby yeah. Jones qualify for this? I might have Colby Jones instead. Yeah, yeah. Both those yeah, guys. So, Colby Jones is just so well-rounded. These guys that I look for that are able to come in and contribute early, it's the guys mm-hmm. that like can kind of shoot off the catch, and I think Colby can shoot off the catch at the very least. Can handle the ball, comfortable, you know, not getting blitzed in ball screens and, like, not getting, like, just overwhelmed with athleticism. I think Colby ticks that box. Good defensively, Colby ticks that box. Plays hard, good size. Colby, you know, across the board fits those things. Um, he sounds you know, great. There's not a lot of upside, but I think Colby's probably my pick here. Okay. Uh, question number three. Prospect who almost everyone has mocked as a second-round pick who could be a surprise first-round pick, such as David Roddy or Santi Aldama? <laughs> I will go to my mock as we're talking and come up with a guy. Does Trace Jackson Davis count? Is he low enough? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. 23-year-old center. You have him at 39 on your big board. If he yeah. snuck into the back of the f- first, I would say that's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I think he has a fairly reasonable chance to. Um, Adam actually asked me this question on game theory as well. And my like long shot 
answer. Yeah. Like super long shot. Part of the reason that this is a very tough question is because 26, 27, 28, and 29, it's very unclear who's going to be picking there right now. Um, Because like half of them are Indiana. Yeah. The Pacers have 26, 29, 32, and they have like, and they have seven, and I think they only have two or three open roster spots. Maybe like two, right, yeah. to be honest, after free agency. So they're they're going to move around, you would think. Charlotte has 27, 34, 39, 41, if I remember correctly. So they're going to move around a little bit, and that could include 27. Utah has 9, 16, 28, and then Indiana again at 29. I, I don't know who has those picks. I think that if a older team comes into one of those picks – yeah. One of Jalen Wilson or Seth Lundy could sneak in. Okay. And I think that would be reasonably yeah. surprising to people. Basically yeah. older guys. Kobe Brown is another answer. Uh, but I have, Co- mm-hmm. I have Kobe as like a first rounder. Um, I, I mm-hmm. think that those are the kinds of guys that could sneak in that would be surprising. Okay. Uh, question number four. Prospect other than Wemby, who is most situation independent, Meaning that you think they would succeed in the NBA no matter who drafted them. Scoot, force of nature. Just in Okay, absolute, not not Scoot. Also yeah, removing Scoot. Force of nature. Also not Scoot. <laughs> also not Scoot. Uh, um, not Wemby, not Scoot. I had a feeling you were gonna say Scoot. Maybe Jarris Walker. I think that Jarris okay. is just so polished defensively that he's going to be good no matter the situation. Um Yeah. I just did a mock draft podcast with the guys over at the field of 68 and Goodman took Jairus Walker for Orlando, which like completely threw me. Cause like, I don't think that's happening on draft night. Um, yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it because of that. And you think about like Franz Wagner, Paulo Bancaro, Wendell Carter, you know, whatever they do with Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki, they have all these dudes, right? that exist on that roster that theoretically play kind of a similar role. And then I was like, well, you know what? Like Jairus Walker, just figure it out. Like he'd be an impact guy. Like they play small with him, Paulo and Franz. Like he'd be like a weak side rim protector. It'd be great. Like it'd work. So I I think Jairus is probably the most scheme independent guy. Okay. Final question, Sam. I don't care about your sleepers. I want your snoozers. Who is the prospect you think will likely not be drafted next week, but who you think could stick in the league long-term? Okay. It's, this is another hard one because the depth of this class got absolutely destroyed uh, with the early withdrawal process. Yeah. I think my answer would be... Hunter Tyson out of Clemson or Adama Sonogo out of Connecticut. Tyson, because he is like a six foot eight flamethrower from three who can really shoot off of movement. And then Adama Sonogo, uh, because he is, has like genuinely historic touch around the basket as a finisher uh, on non dunks. Like he has the highest, I think, rate of finishing layups according to Synergy among high major players in like seven years or something. Um, Wow. And then another guy would be Omari Moore. I'm a big believer in Omari Moore as well. Those are great answers. And that's the end of the lightning round. Thanks for playing, Sam. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Sam, are you ready to play our, our game? It's more of an exercise. It's an exercise. It's an exercise. Yes. We you need prepared? your help with this, too. Let's do it. We sort of told Sam about this. And uh, by the way, if, if you're Oh, I listening, thought we were talking about trivia. Okay. Yeah, this is great. Oh, no. No oh, trivia this week. Yeah, no. No, you're fine this week. Uh, if you're listening <laughs> no, not, to the pod, now would be a great time. Great. this is a different kind of pain uh if you're listening check out youtube because this is going to be a lot more easy to follow however i'm going to do my best so basically the uh the idea for this the the birth of this idea was because i was looking at this this group of lottery guys for this year's draft and i had a really hard time identifying any guys that i didn't like i've kind of been sold on almost all of them and usually there's like one or two guys who I'm just not into each draft. So I went back to all the drafts, 2010 to 2019. I looked at the 14 guys who were taken in the lottery, and I separated them into four categories. First category, guys who have been all-NBA players all the way down to fringe all-stars. So this includes everyone from like a Luka Doncic down to like a CJ McCollum. If you grab a guy in this group, you feel great about your pick. The next group is a key starter or bench player. So for this, I'm thinking of a guy like Steven Adams, where he's going to be in the league a long time. He's going to be a key part of his team's like starting unit, but he's probably not even like a fringe all-star for most of his career. Then we have role players. So for this, a guy like uh, Terrence Ross, who maybe he has started you know, on his teams. He, he has started over the course of his career. But when you think about Terrence Ross, you mainly think about him as like a role player. And then finally, fringe or out of the league. So these are guys who are either fringe NBA players or were out of the league by like the fourth or fifth year in the league, okay? I went through every single one of those drafts, separated guys out, and what I found was that on average, in the lottery, you will find four guys who are all NBA to fringe all-star, three guys who end up being key starters or bench players, four guys who are role players, and then three who are fringe or out of the league. Now that leads us in 
to the last four drafts, including this year's. Now, if you're following us on YouTube, you see this beautiful Excel spreadsheet I have made. And Sam, what we're going to have you do. Multicolored? We're we're doing multiple years. This is great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What we're going to make Sam do is go through each of these last four drafts, starting with 2020. So that was the Anthony Edwards draft. And you have to pick four guys from that lottery who are all NBA to fringe all-stars, three who are going to be key starters or bench players, four role players, and then three fringe players are out of the league. And we're going to do all four of these draft lotteries. So it's up to you how you want to start. You could just start with Anthony Edwards and go down. If you see a guy and you're like, oh, he's definitely a whatever. So just take it away and I'll move it over for you. Yeah, we'll we'll start from top to bottom. So Anthony Edwards would be fringe all-star or all-NBA fringe all-star. Uh, LaMelo Ball will be All-NBA Fringe All-Star. Okay. Obviously. You did did skip someone, but we'll keep going. Uh, I'm kind of just trying to do it by category. (laughs) Uh, Tyrese Halliburton would be... Yes. In that group. One more. Okay, so you've got three All-NBA to Fringe All-Stars. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. Who would be your fourth pick? You got to choose Devin Vassell. That's an easy one. Devin Vassell. Alex and I did this. Have we did this on down to dunk, and this is that was the four that we landed on as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then fringe out of the league. Let's go to next. I think the extremes are a little easier to start with for the most part. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. I would have Killian Hayes. Okay. I would have Jalen Smith. All right. Okay. I would have. Kyra Lewis is so hard because Kyra's just had such a shit run with injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Could be the reason, think, though. It could be I the think reason. You have to yeah. throw him in there, unfortunately. I yeah. feel bad. By the bad way, Sam, if there's. That. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad. However, if you do ever get to a point, because I know you talk to a lot of agents, if there's ever a point where you're going to get into trouble, you just throw it over to me and Andrew and we'll make the decision for you. Yeah, that's not. Uh, look, I can talk around that with them. Um, and also, don't feel any pressure to put uh, Thunder players higher than you really want to. If you think go. Josh Giddy's a fringe NBA player, <laughs> we will not quibble with you. Okay, Fringe MVP candidate, Josh Giddy. Um, <laughs> That's right. Key starter slash bench player. I still believe in Pat Williams on that level. Like, I think he has a oh, chance yeah. to be that. Yeah. Um, Shot it well. I would. Yeah. I would also put on Yeka Kongwu in that mix. Okay. Yep. So you got one more in the key starter or bench player category. And I would go Isaac Okoro, I think. He's so limited. Oh, Honestly, goodness. I would have the rest in role player, but I mean, we're... Oh, you have to. You have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's so 2020 is done. All uh, NBA to Fringe All-Star. to you guys? Pretty similar. Very similar. I think we, yeah, I think we had, who do we have? We had one person. I think we might have had James Wiseman as fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So for all NBA to fringe all-star, Sam pick Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell, key starter or bench player, Patrick Williams, Okongwu, and Okoro. Role players, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Denny Avidia, and Aaron Naismith. And then fringe or out of the league, Killian Hayes, Jalen Smith, Kyra Lewis Jr., who we feel bad about. Uh, because mostly injuries. Okay, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> now, this one, especially at the top, I think is oh. pretty juicy because you only get to pick four. 
in the All NBA, and this yeah, was a very good draft. You're a monster, Alex. I want to be yes, I am about this. Yeah, this uh, is t- this is the this is so tough at the top. Okay, so let's start at the end because I think the end is actually also yeah, very difficult. Let, let's yeah, go on yeah. ahead and move Josh Primo to out of the league uh, for yep. non-talent reasons. Already let's happened. Be, yep. Go on ahead and move James Booknight over there as well. Okay. Yep. And more. then, oh god, I think Zaire Williams has to be it. Yeah. Okay. I think those are our I, three as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, think for, so. I, I do just want to be clear. Like you're putting me into a box here. I would not have Zaire Williams in this if I was able to like not have to pick three. Basically, uh, I, yeah. I think that this is a class where there's not. Uh, <laughs> you're like being forced to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, fringe All Star Cade. Okay. Evan Mobley. All right. Yep. You get to choose two more. All right. Franz Wagner. <laughs> All right. One All more. All right. Who's it going to be? You don't have to cater to us. Don't don't feel like you have to cater. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's go to key bench and starter real quick. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Pop, <laughs> Jalen Green. And Jalen Suggs. As key starter? Yep. Okay. I'm a believer in Suggs okay. still. I want to be very clear about that. It is like okay. a starter. Yeah. Like and I and think that would be, be a, good, given how good his defense is. Yeah, that'd be a, a good outcome. Yeah, I and like then that. I need to save one of those spots, and then move Correct. over into role player. I would, for what it's worth, I would have Moses Moody in key starter slash bench as well. If you weren't boxing me in oh. three here, um, oh really? I still okay. believe in Moody to a pretty real level. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you know, Moses Moody, Chris Duarte, Davion Mitchell, Jonathan Kaminga into role player. So it comes down to Scotty Barnes and Josh Giddy. One will be an All-NBA to a fringe All-Star player. The other one will only be a key starter or bench player. And Sam, who are you going to go with? I, again, just want to be... So here, here how about this? Can I trade <laughs> a 2022 no, guy no. for a 2021 no. guy? Because we're no, doing averages. No, you cannot. We're, we are not doing, doing averages, averages anymore. Alex? <laughs> there is no trades. You're a you have You're to a ruin one fan base's weekend. <laughs> this is this is the meanest you have to make thing somebody's coffee taste bad here. You have you have made me feel terrible and ruined my day during trivia multiple times, just getting obliterated. And this is by far the worst that I feel. Doing yeah, this was this was a really tough one. This was a really tough one. <sighs> We ended up even moving these guys around quite a bit during our discussion, just yeah. because of like the feelings that came up amongst these particular players. Giddy to all-star, Scotty Barnes to key starter. Wow. And, and you're not doing that because of us. Wow. I oh. am not doing that because of you. I think that Josh's <laughs> okay. feel for the game is absolutely bonkers. 
And to yeah. be 100% clear to Raptors fans who are going to yell at me. Cut this part. Andrew, cut this part. Don't let him say it. <laughs> I would, if this game was not absolutely draconian in uh-huh. structure, <laughs> I would have Scotty Barnes as a all-NBA fringe all-star mm. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. And it, what it does is just like highlights how amazing that 21 class was correct it was great that is a great. Great okay draft. so that was the 21 so draft good. but by the Sam, way the one that people will be mad at me about is the fact that i have cade cunningham and all nba fringe all-star that is well, my he's he one of your favorite prospects yeah and he's he was great like up until he got hurt this year he had like a four game yeah. bad start and then like killed for the next eight or whatever he played yeah and now he's ripped yeah that was all is he really happened. That's what that's what people that's what people on uh, uh, Detroit uh, Twitter say. Does oh, really? I just saw that Alperin Shingun is saying, seven feet now. That was also on Twitter. Many many uh, people okay. are saying Alperin Shingun is seven feet now. <laughs> okay, Sam, twenty twenty one draft. Sam for the All NBA to Fringe All Star picked Cade Mobley, Franz, and Giddy. Key starters or bench players. He picked Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes. Role players: Chris Duarte, Moses Moody, Davion Mitchell, Kuminga, and then Primo Booknight and Zaire Williams out of the league. Now this is where it gets super hard because this just happened. The yeah, twenty twenty two draft. This is yeah. if you thought that was bad. This isn't that. Wait for this. Um, Paulo oh, really? okay, let's and go. Chet into all NBA fringe all star. Uh, Jalen yep. Williams into fringe uh, into that group as well. Yep. And then, Not catering to us. Who'd you say? You said J Dub and who? I haven't. Or have said you one not yet. picked it? Oh, okay. Yeah, said another one yet? No. This is where we got. I got stuck here too. It's yeah, like, okay, it's it's either Sharp or Ivy. I, I think I would go Ivy just because we've seen more of him, and I okay. feel better about it. Um, okay, I, I just feel like that's a safer bet at this stage of the mm-hmm. process. But I think that Sharp has that kind of upside, and Sharp would be my pick for key starter and bench, like off the jump here. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I would have Jeremy Sohan in that mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, like this, this is now the problem as well. I would actually have quite a few of these guys in mm, that. No, he mix. wouldn't. No, he can't. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. He's not allowed. allowed. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I guess like I have to put Keegan Murray there because Keegan Murray has already done this. Like that is true. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. Ooh. You know what? Do me a favor. Flip Sohan and. Uh, really putting Sam's feet to the fire yeah this is a tough this is this range is tough for this one take Sohan off real quick oh wow you don't even want to see his name so gone from the draft into the fringe out of the league I want Johnny Davis okay yeah I want Usman Jang yep and I want Agbaji and again, right. I would I would not actually have Agbaji there. Yeah. And I think those are the three we settled on as well. Is that right, Al? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. I would yeah. have Matherin and Dyson Daniels as a role player. Yeah. Okay. So now we have Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Duren, and Jeremy Sohan left. And there is two role player spots left and one key starter or bench player left. 
Yeah. Legitimately, I think all three of these guys are going to be like key starters, like bench players. Um, mm-hmm. mm. Actually, it's not possible. Only three, three of them can be. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the rules. Based yeah, on that's the nice rules. that you think that, but uh, actually Impossible. that can't happen. Yeah. Um, I will go. Did you not struggle with Ben Matherin at all? Uh, not in starter bench. comparison to these three at the very okay. least. Look, like, okay. I would also have Ben Matherin in key starter slash bench. But again, okay. I'm now deciding like for <laughs> one out of three spot, like one spot for three guys. And I have all three of these guys mm-hmm. ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Put Durin into role player. All right. Yep. Again, I don't feel great about that. Put, put Jabari Smith into starter. I okay. would still right. bet on yeah. him, and then put Sohan into role player again. Yeah. Now, like, as as hard as you said that was, like, look back here, like we have had some awesome years, like 2018 and correct. 2017. Which there is why this game is bad, nine. Adam or Alex. No, no, I just called you Adam because no. I'm angry at you. <laughs> it's a good way to insult Alex. It's called Adam. Adam. I, think uh, te- my- I think teachers would do that to Alex and I in high school. They would call us Adam <laughs> and when they were mad at us. Yeah, it was super rude. Uh, okay, so now we get to 2023. This year's draft. And for the... Obviously, we don't know who's going to be in the lottery. I went by your mock yeah, draft yeah. today, except... I subbed out Jalen Hutchfino for Kobe Bufkin because oh, because it's Andrews the right the decision. Edge. No, because I want you to be forced to put him in the fringe out of the league category and <laughs> no, anger Andrew. No. <laughs> okay, yeah. so the the way I'm going to explain how I'm going to think about this is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of like confidence intervals, right? Yeah, yeah, Definitely. like I think that like I have Asar Thompson at number nine. Mm-hmm. Right. I think Asar Thompson is awesome. I think he's a great kid. I think like he is a, I am a huge fan of him. I'm going to put him and Koulibaly into fringe slash out of the league. Cause I okay. think that at the end of the day, what I'm trying to figure out is like the highest upside of this happening. If like a specific thing does not work. So like if Asar does mm, not shoot, right. it's going to be hard. Mm, Koulibaly yeah. is just yeah. I've explained Koulibaly on the show already previously. Like he's an informed bet. Yeah, like yeah this yeah. is a total you yeah. Know, yeah. This is guesswork. Um, low floor, high ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Third guy I'm gonna put here is Kaysen Wallace. Ooh. Oh. Because he's that? small. And okay. Small defense first guys, I think, have a higher bust rate than what people think. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like wow, if, he is, if he is a thirty-five percent catch and shoot guy. Yeah. It becomes like somewhat difficult for him. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I thought you navigated that well. Okay. Yeah. Very well. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Victor from here. Scoot, Kim Whitmore, a men into all NBA fringe all star. Okay. Okay. 
I believe that was uh, our choice as well. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. we had we had case and, and role player, and I think we had lively just because mostly we were doing a thunder show, and it's like I just don't. I know lively's been linked to the thunder in some ways, but I just have a hard time believing that they would take a big. Brandon Miller, Jarris Walker into key starter bench. Okay. Got one more slot for key starter bench with Hendricks, Anthony Black, Grady Dick, Kobe Bufkin, Derek Lively. Yeah, so Grady Dick, Kobe Bufkin, Derek Lively into role player. So it comes yeah. down to Taylor Hendricks and Anthony Black. Ooh. Ooh. Two guys I really like. Two very different players. You, you know what the crazy thing is? So you said that like you had lively like fringe out of the league. Like I'm like actually yeah. considering lively as like key starter bench just because I think that Ooh. like okay. his, his, he's gonna be really good on defense. Like he he just is. Okay. Kind of. Okay. Um yeah. Okay, you're sure that I can't trade on Yeka Kongwu and Isaac Okoro into role player, <laughs> right? Nope. No. You, no, Sam no, Bassini, no, no, no. believes that Isaac Okoro is going to be a key starter or bench player for his career. <laughs> yeah. You've decided that. I can't change it. I'm going to go Anthony. Yeah, that, that class. Mm, mm, mm. I, hate, I hate you both. This is the meanest thing you've ever done to me. Um, you were so excited when you knew it wasn't trivia. And I now was. Yeah. This the is other so way. much worse, guys. This is so much I was worse. Say, the pain goes. The pain goes away fast with trivia. This is like a slow burn. Yeah, because people are going to be able to take screenshots. That is going to like get into my mentions is palpable because of be you, great. Alex Spears. Because of you, Adam Spears. Hey, you you won't even care. You're, you're going to be watching the ashes. You know. You're gonna be. That's true. You're gonna, you're gonna be. You're gonna be fake holding your little trophy. You know. Yeah. You won't care about your mentions. You're gonna be fine. My my real trophy, just fake holding Phil Kessel. By the way, three time Stanley <laughs> Cup champion Phil Kessel. Wow. Hey, great job, Phil. From Slam and Jam, great job, Phil. <laughs> Congratulations, Phil. This is some great stalling happening right it now. It is. Uh, go with Anthony Black into key starter bench and Taylor Hendricks into role player. All right. Okay. Yeah. Like so that. to re- to recap for 2023, uh, Wembenyama, Scoot, Whitmore, and Amen Thompson as All-NBA to Fringe All-Star. Brandon Miller, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black as key starter bench players. Role players, Grady Dick, Bufkin, Lively, and Hendricks. And then Fringe out of the league, Sar Thompson, Koulibaly, and Kaysen Wallace. I th- I feel I good about that, the- Sam? Or you f- yeah, you feel yeah, bad you feel about good? That? I hope... That Alex, because Alex created this. Andrew, you're not a bad enough person to create this. Yeah, this That's is right. Alex. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I hope. We almost didn't ask you to do this, by the way. Like, we almost didn't ask you to do this. I hope that you get just straight up, like, explosive diarrhea. <laughs> nothing like, nothing hey. like har- harmful or threatening to you. Just like, yeah. enough to, like, ruin your day tomorrow. <laughs> Honestly, this is a pretty good bet to make. You don't need to say anything. <laughs> Uh, oh well, thank you, thank you for playing our game, and now we're going to yeah. make you play it every year. 
Yeah, every year. Yeah, this is a tradition. Hey, this was this is actually great. Uh, please go watch on YouTube. I think this exercise is probably more fun to watch on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search the Athletic NBA Show. Hit subscribe, and you can watch that exercise. Uh, I think I think it's really fun to follow along with. Uh, please go read the draft guide. Please go listen to Game Theory Podcast, which is Sam's podcast. Please go watch it on YouTube as well and hit the subscribe button. Sam, is there anything else that you would like to promote before you go? I just want to be like, look at my face after that. I have like sweated more than what I was before because yeah. of that. It's a like, great game. I it's feel a great like game. Looking at me in this camera, I look like pale and like sweaty and like terrible right yeah. now because of yeah. Alex. Uh, promotion. Go to The Athletic. Go uh, read the draft guide. I put up a mock draft on Thursday with all of the intel that I currently have and can report uh, and feel comfortable reporting at this point uh, on the draft. Uh, so go read both of those things. I think they're both really good and insightful at this point of the process. Uh Next week, I will have team-specific big boards for the top four or five teams at the very least. I will have that Leonard Miller feature at some point, which I have to write over yep. the next three days. Uh, I will have... What else? What else? What else? Guide. If you care about the draft at all, you should read the draft guide because it's very, very good. Uh, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, we'll read it on the show. This comes from a, a name that looks just, it's just a bunch of just random, just, it looks like somebody just smashed their hands onto a keyboard. Uh, but they say five stars. Great NBA show. Thank you. Uh, this next one is from GamerBoy1890. Five stars. Top three moments as an NBA fan. Number one, <clears throat> my favorite team, the Cavs winning the championship in 2016. Number two, Andre Blatch attempting to getting attempting to get a triple double on April fourth, twenty ten, and then number three, every time Josh Robbins is a guest on Saturday Slam and Jam. So thank you very much for that. How, uh, how shout does out Robbins, Josh Robbins? Time out. How does Robbins deal with trivia? Because a like super computer oh, he, of NBA he melts knowledge. Down. <laughs> yeah, it's a B, complete meltdown. Like yeah. one of the nicest human beings you will ever see. So like, oh yeah, I, yes, I we destroy him, him every uh, single time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we rip them to shreds, okay? Um, <laughs> uh, five stars from Eman Dev. Love it. I love Josh Robbins as a guest, even though I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, it, it is entertaining and it fills my Saturday with joy. Uh, and then the final five star review is from Dr. Robert Jones. Five stars. I know you must read this. Have fun reading this. Good show. I listen while I do my laundry. <laughs> Thanks so much for the five-star reviews. Again, if you, will, if you will leave us one on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. Hope you guys enjoy the weekend. The draft is a week away. Read the draft guide. We'll talk to you guys again next week.
Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.